recording. And here we go. Sweat Equity Podcast streaming show, the number one comedy business podcast in the world, and the number one business comedy podcast in the world. What? Pragmatic entrepreneurial advice with a real raw dog dog. No. You love it. It's coming no. back in the intro, dude. Oh. Yeah, dude. Uh, our guest on the show, Steve Edwards, uh, CEO, founder of Premier Virtual. Man, that guy shot out of a cannon. He's, oh, yeah. He's a fun one. Um, I, I love that he gleeked. I missed it. I <laughs> missed it. It was like a big dip gleek almost, but he didn't have dip in because he's a professional. He's a consummate salesman. Uh, PremierVirtual.com. If you are an employer uh, looking to hire or if you're a job seeker, he has virtual job fairs on there. Hey, hey, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Do us a little favor. Hit that subscribe, smash the subscribe button. Smash it. Smash it. Yeah, girl. Uh, smash that subscribe button. Give a five-star review. Write a little uh, little, little sentence about how, how clever we are. Yeah. More clever than what like he that. just said to <laughs> like do. Like that. But, you know, yeah. uh, do good, please. Uh, episode sponsor, so Squarespace. Squarespace, we've got an affiliate link. Oh, yeah. What's up? Holler if you hear me. Squarespace, look, we made now between the two of us and combined probably over 200 Squarespace sites. It's what I recommend for clients, especially in the professional services area. Uh, or if you have a blog or if you're... You're a DIYer. Squarespace is the way to go. Uh, fuck all the other content management systems. Okay. What? <laughs> Squarespace right. is better. Um, Fucking thing sucks. You got e-commerce abilities. You got email abilities right in there. And now they have analytics tied in. It's getting girthy with Squarespace. Uh, look for the look for the link for a discount uh, in this episode description. And let's go hang out in West Palm Beach. In a tiki hut with Steve, Steve Edwards. Howdy, daddy. What about my sweat equity? Sweat equity. Yep, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. All right. Is this uh, audio only or is it video too? We, we do both. Okay, perfect. Primarily audio, but we're going to have to ask about your background. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're recording. We just go right into okay. it. Man. We, we want to be efficient with CEOs. Dude, love it. Love it. You know, there's a lot of wasted time out there. I appreciate I appreciate efficiency. Steve, Steve Edwards, founder and CEO of uh, Premier Virtual. You, for those listening, uh, you can't see this Tiki Hut uh, backdrop he's sitting in. So where are you right now? We live in, uh, I live in South Florida. Okay. So I built a, I built a Tiki Hut in my backyard. I, I always wanted the tropical oasis and we just bought a new house like six months ago, and the first thing we did was uh, build a tiki hut back here. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, no. Are you worried about it burning down? Because that looks like a fire. No, I try to, I try to keep the uh, the fire. I can't really see it, but I got uh, oh no, a little uh, fire thing over there. We keep we try to keep it away from it a little bit, you know. Uh, yeah, as long dude. as the hurricane as long as the hurricanes don't take it down, I'm good to go. 
Well, you've been fortunate. I think last one it hit over there was Andrew in 94, I think. Um, there's been a couple, you know, there's been a couple that have, that have hit us here, but you know, was it four years ago? They were supposed to be the one that was going to wipe out Florida. It was going to be bigger than Andrew. We got it. You know, we had a newborn that was a month old. We got in the car, drove up to Atlanta and we had a couple sticks, you know, yeah. it hit us worse in Atlanta than it did in uh, down here in South Florida. What was that? Irene? Yeah. So you're not from Florida originally then? No, I'm, I'm from Wisconsin originally. Okay. That's a, yeah. You're a good import. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking the, we're uh, in, Ta- we're in Tampa, by the way. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. I lived, I actually lived in Tampa for two years. Oh, you man. guys, uh, right down, uh, right downtown, you know, the hub, the bar, the hub. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've performed <laughs> in the hub. Did you, you know, that, that bar. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I lived at the condo element right across from there. Okay. Uh, a couple of years ago, I saw Eric uh, destroy a girl who was in the palm of his hand at the hub. I didn't do anything wrong. She was ready to go, and he was like, well, I don't know what to do. That's not what happened. <laughs> you know that's she's not like, what happened. She was like, I want to dance, man. And you're like, well, how do we do it? That's not what happened at all. You know what happened. <laughs> We've talked about it on the show. For Did sure. we? For and, uh, sure. the, the, the hub is such an amazing spot. So it's really magical. I was there, and I, I was there, and my buddy lived across the street. And I walked over one day, we were at the pool, and I walked over to get a bottle and talking to the lady there. And she's like, yeah, we sell to-go bottles till 2 a.m. And I'm like, okay, I walked in and I had just moved to Tampa, was looking for a place, walked back over to the element and said, okay, I want to sign a lease here, right? If you have a bar like that, you know, it's, this is how I describe the hub. There's not many places in America where you'll have an attorney, a homeless dude. Right. And then a middle-class guy, all sitting next to each other, talking, having a good time. I mean, every drink is a triple there. I mean, you walk out of there, you Feel know, good. You, you smell like an ashtray. It's a plastic but, uh, Yeah, yeah, it still smokes though. inside, I think, right? No, no, no that's yeah. not allowed anywhere anymore. They, um, that, so for those out of the area, think of the dive bar that has stayed in downtown while everything else grew around it. Yeah. And it's, it's like stuck in 1978. Right. Everything else is it's present like dark. Day. It's really dark. It's like uh, it's got a jukebox. You got yeah. You got a weird like kind of people coming in there from all walks of life. Very Florida. If I had to kind of give it a theme, where you you do have like doesn't matter class wise. It just matters. Everyone's a little weird that goes in there. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just such. A, I mean, there was many nights where we started there. And we had planned to go uh, to South Tampa and we never made it out of it, you know, yeah. three, four drinks yeah. later. And it's like, yeah, you're not, you're not, you're not walking too far. Yeah. Any other uh, decrepit places you loved in Tampa? <laughs> um, you know, my favorite spot was the um, uh, Eddie and Sam's little pizza spot downtown. Yeah. Um, big Big fan of Eddie and Sam's. We're la- Anytime we- I travel to Tampa, I go back there. We lack um, a lot of good pizza places, so that one's one of the legit ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I tell, you know, everybody I, I tell it's from New York that I know when they're in Tampa, I go, go check out Eddie and Sam's. You're going to have that uh, Blue Point uh, out by the uh, out by International Mall. It's a big fan of that restaurant out there. But as dive bars... Hub's probably one of my favorite that I've seen in the country as I travel around a lot for work. Yeah, it's the dive of dives, I would say. Yeah. Um, so you're in West Palm Beach, is that right? Uh, yeah, we're a little south of there. Okay. Uh, but we're right between uh, West Palm and Boca. 
Yeah, West Palm's an interesting area in itself. It's like super hoity-toity and then not at all. Like it's like clear line between the two. Like I've done the West Palm improv a few times and I'm like, such a weird atmosphere. It's like people in like boat shoes and blazers and like, oh, like, uh, like 80s good. rich people. Yeah. Like what you see, like characters of rich people in 80s movies. Okay. And then like just fucking opiate struggling, like people coming off the street. That's there. I, all through college, I bartended up off of Clematis. So that you couldn't describe it in a better way. Nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, FAU you went to, right? Yeah. So, yep. I went to FAU. The bar I worked for, actually, they used to have one in Tampa too. It was called Bar, Bar West Palm. They had Bar Tampa, uh-huh. Bar Atlanta. Oh, yeah. That's where all the Bucks players know. used to go, I heard. Yeah, long, that was a long, long time ago. But uh, it was a fun little fun little spot. Then they turned it into Have a Nice Day Cafe and then something else. Now it's completely torn down and that whole area is a little different. So uh, congrats on getting on Forbes, by the way. Yeah. Oh, thank, thank you. We want to know how you did it. <laughs> we Not to be glib, but not, we just want to ask. Curious, how, how we know, we know there's a path to being a contributing writer. And we figure we just instead of trying to figure it out, you know, with or a bunch writing of re- something or hitting up our PR friends that have come on this show, why don't we just ask the guy who just got on there? <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly, it, it was through a PR company that we damn, did damn some it. work with, and we actually we were in there twice. The first time was just kind of a mention of Premier Virtual, um, and then they reached back out to me and did an article. So I went the kind of the PR route of getting in a lot of different magazines getting, you know, published or in, in different newspapers. Uh, and then we got that call, which was, again, it was from the PR place, but it was getting, my, getting our name out there, getting it in the, you know, the smaller, you know, stuff that nobody's ever heard of before, you know, a backroom newspaper in the LA, I think it was LA weekly was one of the first bigger ones that we got into. And it just kind of escalated from there. And we were just, they would just put our, put our information out there and finally we got a phone call. Yeah. We might need to get that PR company's info uh, off air unless you want to give them a plug. But uh, we think it would be funny because we, we toe the line between comedy and business or entrepreneurship and with this show. And we think it'd be funny if we got like legit ranks of like, as mentioned on, uh, why you shouldn't take business so seriously, <laughs> right? Just, yeah, that's you know, the I title, that. you know. You know, as seen in King People Magazine, need that <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, USA Today seems like a, we can do that, we can make that happen for some reason. Well, why? Why is that one? Why? I think you know, this is uh, and, and this may be a little off the subject, but <clears throat> send out tweets, <clears throat> go out there, just send out messages, right? Now that Musk owns it, you can do pretty much whatever you want, you're going to be able to do on there. But I used to do that every time I used to pre what I'm doing today. I used to put on job fairs. That's kind of how I got into this industry. Every time I go to a market, I just send messages out to reporters. And a lot of times they didn't pick it up, but sometimes they pick it up. I'd get mentioned on the news. That was all free, all free press that I got. So if that's what you guys are looking to do, come up with a catchy tagline, send out Twitter messages to every reporter because it's real easy in every market, right? I'll use Tampa for an example. Every time I would go into Tampa, I'd go to the Fox, ABC, NBC, and CBS affiliate. <laughs> I and I would say, I, would I have right media to contacts. Yeah, we should do And that. I would just send them messages. I would yeah. send all the reporters. I'd send them a tweet and just, it, 
you know, mine was just a little bit different of, Hey, I'm coming into the, I'm coming in with 400 jobs. Would love to get you out here and do do an interview or something with me. Yeah. We got to, we got to, we got to figure out that angle. That's the thing. I think we're, we're, we've been here our whole lives. We're we're working on, yeah, we have to have a reason to hit them up, but you're right. Uh, it, it, that's that. We're going to do a telethon. Well, your background is in sales and that is a very gritty sales thing. Cause you know, we're, we might stop ourselves doing that is like, uh, feels icky, but I feel like good people with a sales background, like efficient, proficient, uh, people with the focus in that area professionally, you just you'll just get it. Just go do it. No, not care. Dude, it's a you funny you thing. said right sounds icky on there, but think about right. You you said you did West Palm Improv. It's the same thing. Some people are going to laugh at you. Some people aren't. Right? What can happen in sales? And this is what Most I teach my salespeople. Who gives a shit if somebody says yes or no to you? No, I know. Right? You're, right. You're right. Thing in here, come up with a cheesy line, right? A cheesy, you know, thing. I just, I, I sent out to my, <clears throat> my director of marketing last week. And I said, I want you to create a blog on this. The great resignation uh, versus the great, uh, the great return. Who's going to win? Like and most it. people don't know what the great return means, but it's all these companies that are trying to bring people back in the office. And people are like, no, I like working from home. I like working from the beach or wherever. So it's going to be a battle. So I said, make this fun and go out there after that. You guys could do the same thing. Come up with a cheesy pickup line or a cheesy line. I like cheesy pickup lines. That's how I met my wife. But, uh, you know, come up with a cheesy line. It comes. Put your things in there. A quick little article. It's all about, you know, it's clickbait, right? Yeah. Send out something. Get them to go to the story to get you on air. Yeah. Or whatever you're trying we'll, we'll, to do. We'll figure out an angle. We're we're uh kind of leveling up the show and so once we'll we'll kind of probably dovetail it with that where we'll figure out some way to I mean, you gotta have a reason to be like, hey, we can't talk to our buddy Ray Roa, who's the editor in chief of Creative Loaf, and be like, Hey, do a thing on us. You know, like he's right. And what was we just need to make up something that will do right. probably embarrassing for us. We'll have uh, but you know, a we'll, dance a thon, telethon. We'll do a free strategy session for someone no, that wants to that's I don't not know, some, gonna sell someone shit. someone who wants you to need, no, uh, it needs to be entrepreneur where or something. We are being, eh. I don't know. We'll figure that out. And there's I mean shit, there's a ton of you know, come up with something and think of how many people are moving to the west coast of Florida right now from New York and New Jersey. Right. 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 How many people right now are moving to Florida as a whole? And, you know, there's a lot of it, right, with entrepreneurs. There's tech money coming down to Tampa, just like it is here to Miami. Come up with something like that, right? There's a ton of money coming in there. And yeah. people want to hear and think of stuff outside the box. Yeah. No, you're right. And I was just kind of saying stuff out loud as, as uh, why we could be the our welcome committee. Yeah. The Welcome Committee Hi. podcast. Welcome. Uh, you know, um, so I pulled up some stats uh, per what you were talking about with the block. Wait, before we get sidetracked on the real important thing, what was the cheesy pickup line that oh. got your wife? So we were at, a, it was at an FAU football game. First football game at their new Romantic. stadium. I walk up. You kind of look like a football the, coach. <laughs> for some let's reason. say, yeah. Is it the ball? The ball you look like an offensive I'm coordinator not, for some reason. Could be, you know. Uh <laughs> I walk up to this girl that's in the stands and I go, oh my God, you look familiar. She's like, yeah, I go, you look just like my next ex-girlfriend. She started laughing. She goes to leave. I put my phone number in her, uh, in her phone is your next ex. And 
now we've been uh, now we've been together ten years. Got a seven year old and a four year old. Man, that's not that cheesy. No, that's pretty that's good. Some nuts to do that. Yeah, you know. Uh, now, how many how many chicks did you do that to that night? Right. Yeah. What is that? Percentage? What's the numbers game, man? How many wives uh, do you have? Yeah. Yeah. So you that. have more than one wife. Just one wife. Done that night, but the but the best part out. It took me a month to get a date with her, and I'm texting her, and she finally sends me a text back. She goes, "Why don't you just put me and my friend on the same text message group text? Because you're saying the same BS oh, lines no. to that you are to me. So why don't we do this?" And I was like, "Listen, I'm going to a party. It's a birthday party. I'm coming to pick you up." She's like, "Nope, I'm 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 at home already." And I was like, "Listen." I'm in a Mickey Mouse shirt. I'll be at your house. I'll pick you up. Oof. I'm going to take you to this birthday party, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. And it works, you know. Wow. Here we are nurturing a lead, like almost like the programmatic bots that hit us up. Yes. You know? uh, <laughs> You're like, like is I was this like, the same thing like Grant, you're telling everybody? <laughs> you know, Grant Cardone on that one, just no stopping. You know, if you listen, to, if you listen to Grant Cardone when he talks about, you know, his wife and how he goes after things, like he doesn't stop. People are either people either love or hate that guy, and I feel the same way, right? You can either love me or hate me, but I'm here to help people, and I'm here to I'm here to get what I want. I think we love you. Yeah, we love you, and uh, we're you know I'm a fan of uh, Grant Cardone. I think the the biggest thing is like you don't let uh, those those small negatives get in the way of what you're doing. You just kind of move on, and I think that's a a good kind of philosophy when you're you're trying to lead a business, right, or you're trying to do your own thing. Or live your life. Yeah, live your life in general. I mean, the thing like all comedians have is like you could crush, but that one person with the folded arms that out of three hundred that isn't liking it in the club, you're like, the fuck's that guy's problem, you know? And you're it takes a while for you to realize it's probably not nothing to do with this show at all. He probably had some other shit. You know, why would you come to a show, a comedy show, and fold your arms and just be you know uh, stone faced the whole time? So. You know, it's, it's something in their life, right? And you, you got to look at it like that. I got taught early on in my sales career and uh, I, I can't teach it like this in, in, in sales, but I can do it, I think, here on this podcast. So yes, early on in sales, right out of college, uh, I was a stockbroker. And back in this was where you were just dialing the phone and that's all you had, right? There was no Twitter. There was nothing. It was a, a stack of cards of people that were BS and you had a phone and a mirror in front of you with no chair. And I had to sit there and dial 600 calls a day. And at one time, this guy told me, he's like, F off. Don't ever call me again. Throw my number away. So I went to my senior broker and I was like, hey, this guy said, you know, everything this guy said. He takes it and he puts it in to the bottom of the pack. And he goes, now get back to the dial. I'm like, this guy told me to call. He goes, listen, this guy probably just walked in on his daughter getting banged out by some dude that he doesn't (laughs) like. And he wants nothing to do with anything you sell him. He goes, next week you call, wife had taken him out and gave him some ass. Now he's happy. He's going to listen to everything you got to say. And I go, so what you're telling me is sales is all about timing. He goes, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So that was over 20 years ago today. And I still teach that to my people now. I obviously, I have, you know, female employees that work for me. And in sales, I don't tell the whole details, but I say, (laughs) thought it was doing something with somebody he shouldn't have been doing. And then next week, the wife goes out to dinner and he's in a much happier man. But if you think about it, right, sales and right, the punchline and stuff like so much of it's about timing and so much of it. Of, what is that person going through in their life? Right. That that person that comes to your comedy show that is sitting there with their hands crossed, they might just be having a bad day or they're just pissed off at life. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, for and sure. It just it's a, it takes you a while to realize I got dragged there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It could be the husband of a, a wife that wants to really go to a show and he's just like, I want to play with my Hot Wheels or whatever the fuck, you know. That, that husband could have been traveling all week long, you know, came home. It's Friday night. He's he's eaten out of dinner. He's been out, you know, entertaining clients all week. He comes home. It's Friday. He, he's got to mow the grass and then the wife wants to go out to dinner and he doesn't want to listen to her nag anymore. So he's like, I'm going to go out there. And he's impotent. What the guy should do yeah. is say, hey, I'm going to have somebody come in you know, cut my grass. So when I get home on Friday, I don't have to spend that two hours cutting the grass so I can go out and smile with my wife and be happy. But something is going on with his life. I agree. I'm, I'm great. It's not your fault. That's and everybody true. should be laughing. And if they're not, it's their fault. Uh, it's on them. Uh, it's on them. Well, you, do you think your military background meets your professional beginnings as stockbroker uh, and mortgage industry sales? Uh, do you think those really help help you to get where you are right now. Like, I feel like, uh, I feel like you have efficient, you have good energy. Uh, I can, we can kind of feel that, but it's like, you know, you gain those kind of skills along the way on the sales side. Did the military kind of give you that kind of get up and at them or that kind of, um, due diligence or diligence, I should say. You know, I, I think the, the military gave me discipline. Yeah. Um, that's you know, that, that was the big thing. I was, that, that's, the word, that's the word I was trying to go for. I was a 17 year old kid when I signed up for the army because I didn't want to go to college. I hated school. I wanted nothing to do with it. I got to the army and I was like, this sucks. Like I was like, I, when I was signed up, I was like, I'm going to be a career. I'm going to be a lifer. Like I love this stuff. I got there. and I was like, this isn't fun. Right. The people, a lot of the people around you, you're like, yeah, there's a reason that, that you're going to be a that you're a lifer in the military because you can't do anything else. But, I started to go to school at night while I was there. I was like, just, I kind of took the the discipline that I had, you know, and then I went to college and, you know, I kind of went backwards in it for a semester. And then I, you know, realized that, Hey, listen, like I like nice things in life and to have nice things in life. Like I got to work hard. And, you know, I was a little older in college because I, you know, got out of the military and a lot of my friends were older. They were stockbrokers. They were in the mortgage industry. They all had money. And I'm like, I want money, you know, <laughs> and that was what I, I, I was like, that. how do I, how do I get that? Right. Like, what do I have to do? And I, it's not always been success. I mean, I've had terrible years, um, you know, and, and challenges out there. And, you know, when I met my wife, I go, listen, I'm a salesperson. Like I'm going to have a great year and I'm, I might have two bad years where I take a loss. I go, but that's just the roller coaster. If you want to be on it, I'm going to have it. But I just had the discipline to be able to go out. And I know if you come out with a, you know, a positive attitude, a great work ethic, right? Like you can, you can build yourself. You can find stuff out there. You know, like people said, oh, you were lucky when COVID hit, you were lucky with your business. I said, no, I just, I watched the trends and you could see where, where my business was going. And I just, well, you know, took a shot. It's opportunity meets preparation. I mean, like given your background. So let's, yeah, let's, you, you nicely uh, dovetailed this into premier uh, virtual, um, you know, you, you've kind of found yourself in a unique position because you had, you've been doing career fairs before that, correct? Um, yeah, for nine years. Were those virtual or, or all both? on? They were all, <clears throat> they were all online. So you were kind so, of probably the rock star in, uh, where you were working, I'm guessing. So there was a small company. It was, it was me. And I, I got in the job fair industry because previous to the job fair industry, I was the director of sales for a company and I would go in the company I worked for. We had clients, Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile. So I would build 
Salesforces. That's what I would do. Like when I was in Tampa there, Verizon Fios was my client. So I ran business to business sales team for them. But how do you build a sales team? Job boards and job fairs. You got to hire people. So my markets were New York, New Jersey, Florida, and Texas. So I was on the road. I was single, pre-wife, pre-kids back then. And you could go to these markets and you would go to every job fair. Well, I found a company out of New Jersey and I love their market. They were, they were geared towards sales. They did it in the evening time. So people that were employed looking for a better opportunity. And we did a presentation format where we got to speak in front of the group to say, here's who we are, here's what we do, here's what we're hiring for, here's why you should work for us. So it was efficient and I loved it. But then when my company shut down the division, I went to the owner of that company and said, hey, I like what you do. I don't want to work for you, but I want to do what you do. So after six months of negotiating, deciding what we're going to do, I bought the license agreement. So I had North Carolina to Florida, out to Texas and Arizona, and I did these job fairs. So it was me. And I was the only guy out of that. And he had had a couple other people that tried to do the same thing that I did that just weren't successful. But in 2018, People didn't want to come to job fairs anymore, right? They want to, they want to be on here. The trend was already going that way pre-pandemic. It was right. So think of if you look at Indeed, right? Indeed change. I could get into a whole thing about from Monster to Indeed and that whole change of things. But but, Yeah. yeah. But people would rather apply online. You look at every millennial and Gen Z. I mean, my 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 four-year-old and seven-year-old are all over their iPads, right? And they can grab my phone and get to anything. It's the generations where we're at, right? Things were changing. And I found out about virtual. I said, this is the future. You know, instead of me being, you know, on the road with young kids and, and, you know, being gone three nights a week, I could be sitting at my desk running an entire job fair in Florida at one time. And I said, this is it. You know, the, the, the guy that we were working with in Jersey just wasn't as big of a fan as virtual. So we parted ways and we started developing the premier virtual software in 2019. So developed it all of 2019 and launched in January of 2020. And the first 10 months, uh, Premier Virtual was uh, up and running. You, you helped connect 35,000 companies with 350,000 job seekers. So that's a, those are big numbers. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We've now had almost a million um, job seekers, which if you look at Indeed, it doesn't seem like that big of a thing. But I did more job fairs in the first six months of Premier Virtual than I did nine years combined with the other company. So that, that kind of added the Tiki Hut. <laughs> yeah. That's why you have your Build own Tiki Hut. Yeah, you have your own yeah. bar uh, at your house. That <laughs> looks like could be from Margaritaville. That's all we can kind of see. Um, but the, <laughs> you know, you kind of like a lot of people will go, oh, you just got lucky with the trend, but you saw remote, remote workforce happening. I got, I threw in some stats. I prepped. Yeah. Uh, 16% of companies globally are fully remote. Um, Pre-pandemic, 4.7 uh, U.S. employees were working from home. And then... 4.7 what? Million Thank U.S. You. employees. Is that... Did I skip that? And then uh, now... 4.7 human walking around somewhere. Yeah. And then 58.6% uh, of American workforce is currently working remotely uh, in some capacity. Not... Maybe not fully, but uh, at least some hybrid or full uh, working remote. I mean, we we talked about it on this show for five years, basically. So, uh, how long have we been doing this? Five years? Five years, and that's weird that you said that because I just noticed that today. <laughs> oh, has it been five years today? Yeah. Um, nice. Uh, so, you know, we, we've been talking about, like, it was more frustration of having to meet not via Zoom because people want to meet in person that are low-tech or, like, 
or just like I'm like it's it feels like a colossal waste of time to drive to her old office, uh, come up there and like, or I had to drive to other you know clients' places that didn't really need it. Right. It could have been a phone call or a Zoom call, and it's like the, we saw this happening, and the pandemic just sped it up. You know, it was you know you said it right, and and, and I say it a lot is it was a catalyst, right? That it really showed the world what could be done. You know, pre pandemic people are like virtual job fairs, like how does it work? Right. They didn't understand it. And, and they started to see, you know, what could be done now in, in less than two years, we've done uh, 7,000 virtual hiring events. So think about that. 7,000 virtual crazy. hiring, a, jo- a job fair in Massachusetts, the state of Massachusetts did an event and they had, 1,700 companies and 17,000 job seekers at one event. Over 1.3 million company booth fees. 46,000 available jobs on that job fair. Okay, Record-breaking job fair, largest ever job fair that could be done. That couldn't be done in virtual. But guess what? That organization, the state of Massachusetts, now said, Steve, and, and we joke about it. They're like, we want to break your system. They now have partnered with six states around them and are doing a job fair with 5,000 companies later this year in one place. Yeah, People see what it is. But the best thing about, about right, virtual as a whole is anybody can do it. You can do it from anywhere, right? Small town Wisconsin, you know, where, where I live, you could be out in the country. Maybe you don't have internet, but you have cell phone service so you can get on mobile, right? We work with, you know, West Virginia, Tennessee, Wisconsin, a lot of places that are rural. And they can still attend these events. But the data, which is the most important thing out there, can be tracked, right? From an in-person job fair, guess what? You mm-hmm. might know how many people walk in a door, but do you know how many conversations? Do you know how many resumes were submitted? Do you know how many interviews are scheduled? That was that stack of business cards is like this high. Right, well, yeah. It, it gets overwhelming for the, the people trying to hire, and then they end up – I think bad hiring happens a lot of that way when you do like ZipRecruiter from the employer perspective – and they, everyone gets like small business, especially because it's usually not an HR person. It's someone just uh, beleaguered. I'll, I'll step up and help I'm out. I'm so tired. I need to hire. Somebody. Right. I'm a coordinator or associate level or something. I'll just help out the team. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they get inundated with so many resumes. They just go, Oh, fuck it. I, I don't even want to look at this thing. And it's like, it's kind of a bad system pre what y'all were doing. I'd say the tracking, when you go to the, how, how it works on, uh, premiervirtual.com, it kind of explains that. And that I was thinking almost like in a silly way, like what if you had that, like a trade, sh- it, to me, job fair is like a trade show kind of set up in, in real life. Yep. Uh, yeah, what yeah. if you could tag everybody like a cow and just like, you know, like you have tracking on everybody. You yeah. have a low jack. On everybody. So you're going to love, and I, I love the way you say that. I'm going to figure out how I can spin that and say that in a, in a, in a post, but, Think about it like this, right? You, you, you really touched a point there. You have a recruiter that's sitting back, right? And I think recruiters are like salespeople. You either have the, the ones that want to sit there and wait for everything to come to them, or you have the hunters that are out there. Yeah. But the ones that are waiting for the resumes to come in on the, the, you know, all the job boards that are out there, right? They, they get the resumes and they're just coming in, okay? They look at it, right? And they're looking at a resume. They're looking at some words on a piece of paper. Right. And then how many candidates out there? Right. They just they just sit there and they see a job and they just submit their resume. Right. Like 
you know, there's, there's a couple of the job boards out there that after you submit your resume, there'll be a thing that says, here's some other jobs that you may be interested in. And what do the candidates do? They go, click, 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 click. Ah, I just applied to 50 jobs. Feet go up in the air. Jerry Springer comes back on. And guess what? They think they applied for 50 jobs. Right. But they're not qualified for any of them. Right. And then the recruiters get pissed because they're not getting qualified people, you know, because people aren't reading, you know. And I, I had it a couple of weeks ago. I, I had something on a job board and a person came in and they they asked me a question. Okay. The question they asked me was in the job description. So that was one red flag already. Then again, I sent him back. I said, hey, it's in the job description, but here's the answer. Sends me an email back. Where are you located? Oh, God. Instant instant delete. I'm like, you didn't read, right? So so that's the problem. So what we did, right, we'll call it your your, your tagging aspect here, is I believe a candidate is more than just a resume, right? A resume, my first resume, I went to Google and I said sales resumes and I pulled some stuff. I'm like, oh, this sounds really good. I took Mm -hmm. that sentence and I put it here. I built my resume off of BS stuff off of Google. But- what we built is, is you have your resume, you can upload multiple resumes, right? They could tailor make a resume right in and, and submit, right? Because some people have multiple resumes for like sales and one for leadership. Sure. But we also, they can, they can tag all of their experiences. So they can put their experience, they can put if they have any certifications, you know, IT or teacher, they can put if they have security clearances. And then they have video questions. So a host of an event could ask like 10 generic questions. Tell me about yourself. If you were able to time travel, you know, what would you do? Um, you know, why should we hire generic questions? So now that candidate could come in and, and leave a video answer, right? So almost like their video resume. So when a, when a, that job seeker, right, they, they want to, or that organization, ABC Mortgage, wants to look at a candidate, they can look at a candidate, they can look at their resumes, watch their video resume, look at their experience, and then say, hey, I want to have a conversation with you. You know, in a job fair, there might be somebody 15 people back that's just waiting in line. That's, that's the right fit. But I got to get through those 14 people that are not a good fit to get to that 15th one. Right. And then I can do that in the virtual side is I could go through and look at each one of those resumes. Not a good fit, not a good fit, not a good fit, not a good fit. Oh man, this one's got a great video resume. Let me send him a message or her a message and say, Hey, I want to talk with you. Can you jump on a uh, quick video instantaneous instead of, instead of waiting to yeah. get through all those other 14 people. Not to mention the opportunity cost of waiting through those people in real life to wait for your turn to get up while you may have missed out on other things that could you could have applied for or talked to at a real job fair. It's an asynchronistic way to kind of do it. Um, I'm at a job fair and I'm like sitting in line and I'm like, I got my resume. I'm all excited. I waited 15 minutes to get to the front of the line. I hand him the resume. I'm like, hi, my name's Steve. I'm looking for a sales job. And I'm like, Sorry, we only have engineering jobs. Oh, I just wasted 15 minutes. Let me go stand in that other line. And then I do the same thing there. And then I go sit here. Virtual, like it's built. I built this for efficiency so that that candidate can come in, look at a location, look at an industry, find just those companies. Because my goal, what I tell every client out there, is you want to put the right recruiter with the right candidate to make it efficient, right? That candidate could come in, see a company and say, eh, I'm not really interested in that company. I'm going to go to the next one. They didn't have to wait in line. That took them five seconds to go in and see it. Next one, they could go in. This is a perfect company. I want to send a message to them. The recruiter says, are you ready to jump onto a video interview? They could do a video interview. Then they could, you know, they could be scrolling through and say, hey, I like these three companies right here. I want to schedule one-on-one time with each one of these back to back to back. They can do all that. Well, we Efficiency, yeah, efficiency, efficiency. You cut the fat in hiring. I love that you just spit off camera. That's awesome. 
Did we get it? <laughs> I'm, I don't think we missed it. Uh, we could definitely have a beer with you at the hub. Um, yeah. And it's funny you said time. Well, so we want to have you back on because there's a there's a lot more meat off this bone. Uh, I, I especially scalability and hyper hyper speed. But we try to keep these about 33 minutes, and we want to be respectful of your time. Um, I'll, I'll, we'll contact the the booker that put us together. Um, but we ask everybody the first time they come on and it's really weird. Eric and I made eye contact, uh, not in a sexual, More than normal. not in a sexual way, but, uh, when you said time travel, because, uh, the way we, we kind of preface this last, this question for your first time coming on is what advice would you give your 13 year old self? And we kind of always have a secondary explanation of like, you, you time travel back bill and Ted style in a phone booth. You go back, you see yourself, grab yourself by the, lapel, by the lapels in, uh, in Wisconsin, um, and you go. I'm going to actually tell you probably something you've never heard before. Okay. Nice. I'm going to tell my 13-year-old self, do what you do. Don't change a thing. Because I wouldn't be here today if I changed anything. And, you know, I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't have my wonderful kids. Like, who? what I did in the past and... I had a, I had a fun past, right? I, I, I loved being a bachelor. You know, I, I didn't get married till I was almost 40 years old and, and I wouldn't change. Smart. Did I make mistakes in my life? Absolutely. I made financial mistakes. I made mistakes with women that I shouldn't have, you know, been talking to. Mm. I made a lot of mistakes, but what the mistakes that I made is made me learn how to not make those again and how to be a better person. So I'm not going to change anything from who, who I was, from what I did when I was 13. You're scared of the butterfly effect. Uh, no, but it's one of those things where, yeah, you, you entrepreneurs, the big difference is learning from your failures, I think, uh, and, yeah. and, and limiting your weaknesses in, in whatever way you can. So that, that is, I don't think anybody's ever said that. I thought we had. I didn't want we to have? say who? it. We have? Oh, you I, remember? I don't remember who. Come, Come on. on. You Please. can't remember 359 yeah, episodes? Right, nobody, yeah, right. nobody's, nobody's like Steve Edwards. Nobody thought I mean, of that before. I, you hey, know? well, you definitely... I thought I might do that. I might be like, I'm good. <laughs> well, you you got yeah, that, you got that good, good energy we love as a guest. We'll have to get you back on later this summer because I, I want to ask about that hyperspeed growth. I want to ask you about, uh, you know, Probably some of the data features you're, you might be implementing soon. I, because that vi- that that video stuff gets me thinking. If you you can start tracking data on facial cues, you can transcript those out. Maybe you can use that data somehow. Uh, so I'll I'll table that. Plus I want to hear all the girl mistakes you made. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, appreciate you coming on. And um, yeah, we'll we'll have you on soon. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Yeah, you're a wonderful week. If you're ever in Tampa, hit us up. Yeah, definitely. Sounds good. Thanks, everyone. See ya.